miracles just were coming. As long as things were good, we'll stay with you, Jesus. And he wanted to know because the next thing he did was he turned to his disciples and he said, will you leave me also? But his disciples said, no, Jesus, because you have the words of life. Where else would we go? And so there was something different. Jesus was wanting to separate. I'm not just looking for a big following. I'm looking for people who really want to follow. So how do, how do, we, how do we figure this whole thing out? Now, we, we've talked about um, how to allow the Holy Spirit to tame our tongues, how to be uh, cold and refreshing or hot and healing, but not, not being lukewarm. We've talked about a lot of things this year. Tonight I want to give you uh, three steps that Jesus gives us in, this, uh, in one verse here, in verse 23, three steps to becoming a disciple. Three steps to being a disciple that Jesus wants us to be. Uh, they seem simple. You may have quoted this verse, you may have preached this verse or heard on it, but I want us to take another look at it and take a little deeper look and maybe we can, uh, maybe God will challenge our heart some tonight. Let's look in Luke chapter 9 and see the sequence of events that leads up to this statement. Uh, Luke chapter 9 is one of my favorite chapters in, in, the, in all of the Gospels because in this chapter, it's really a tipping point. It's really a transition moment. Uh, at, at the beginning, in, in verse 10 through 17, the crowds are following Jesus. They're loving him. He's feeding the 5,000. But towards the end of this chapter, things begin to change and, and the division really begins to come between those that are really following Jesus, that are really followers of Jesus, and those that are just watching the miracles. So in verse 1, um, Jesus sets out his disciples, and, and, and the first thing he does is he gives them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. So, so this is what he does there. He says, he says I'm, I'm sending you out. I want you to have power and authority over any demonic activity, and I want you to cure diseases. In verse 2, he tells them, I want you to preach the kingdom of God, and I want you to heal the sick. In verse 3, he sends them out and says, don't take any, anything for your journey. Don't take a staff or a bag or bread or money. Don't take anything. I'm going to provide all your needs. So he's challenging them as he goes. right? And so he's teaching them how to be disciples. And, and, and so as he's walking through here, these are the things that are happening. He sends them out. They come out and, and come back. In verse 10, he pulls them away. He said, okay, you've done some great work. You've done some great ministry. You've served the kingdom of God. You've done a good job. But now you need to pull away. You need to spend some time with me. You need to recharge your batteries. You need to get back in relationship with me. Because when we're out doing the will of God as a disciple, God, he sends us out. But we always come back and we need to have that time to recharge our batteries. If you're always giving out and you never give God time to give back in, you will eventually kill your battery. And so this is the principle that he's teaching his disciples in, in, in verse 10. He, said, he pulled them away. He said, I want to hear about all of your stories. It's going to be wonderful. But I want you just to spend some time with me and let me pour into you for a moment. Then they feed the 5,000, one of the most amazing miracles we see in the Word of God. He feeds the 5,000 with just a few fish and a few loaves of bread. And he actually allows the disciples to be a part of it. He actually blessed the bread and broke it and put it in their hands. Remember, he said to them, you feed them. They thought he meant go buy some food. No, no, no. He said, I'm going to show you how to do it, but you feed them. And so he breaks the bread. He put it in their hand. And every time they would break the bread, it would continue to multiply and multiply and multiply. And then as they're holding the basket, it is multiplying in the basket to when they were done. They had one little basket with a few fish, and now they've got 12. But it multiplied in the disciples' hand. And so God is utilizing them in the part as he's working in his ministry. Then he takes them aside, and he's praying. And he comes to them. 
This is right after they fed the 5,000. And he asked this first very important question. Who do the crowds, that crowd right out there that we just fed, who were they saying that I am? And they say, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say one of you're, the, you're one of the old prophets. Um, you know, that's, that's what they think, Jesus. He says, okay, that's fine. Who do you say that I am? Because every disciple has to know who Jesus really is. A lot of people in this country think they know Jesus. Sincerely believe they know. This, this crowd, they weren't saying he was some uh, crazy person that was out to do evil. No, 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 no. They were loving Jesus. They wanted to make him king. To say that he was Elijah or one of the old prophets come back, you have to remember, for 400 years, no one has heard from God. And so to say that it's Elijah or to say that he's one of the old prophets, this for them is a huge honor. This is the biggest honor they can think of. It's not like, it's, it's not as if they were downgrading Jesus in their minds. They were giving him the biggest praise they could. But Jesus said, uh, it's not about who everyone thinks I am. Who am I really to you? And they said, for us, you are the Christ, the Son of God. Uh, it, Peter, as he's saying these words, I wonder what the expression on his face and those around him was. As he's saying, thou art the Christ, the Son of God. We have no, uh, no record of, of any of the disciples saying this before. And Jesus says, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. This was revealed to you from God. You, you somehow heard from God. You somehow got a revelation from God of who I am. And to be a disciple, we've got to get a revelation of who Jesus really is in our lives. It's part of being a disciple. It's what separates us from just being one who is looking to follow the miracles of Jesus. So he says, I'm the Christ, you're the, you're the Christ of God, and, and then he says, don't tell anybody this, and here's why. I've got to suffer many things, I've got to be rejected by the religious people, I've got to be killed, and then I'm going to be raised the third day. Now we have the end of the story. We have the rest of the book. We're in Luke chapter 9, but we've got all the way through the end of the book. Dr. Luke gives us great details about the story. We talked about it from Luke 23 on Sunday. We got to see the whole picture. We, 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 get, to, we get to the, the, uh, the benefit of knowing that the disciples went on the third day to the tomb and the tomb was empty and the stone was rolled away. We know that. But from when they're sitting, this seems um, implausible. The, what do you mean, Jesus? You're going to die and then raise. They haven't seen Lazarus raised from the grave after four days at this point. That doesn't happen till, till a year, year and a half later. And yet Jesus is saying, so, so get a picture. I'm going to die and I'm going to be raised from the grave. Now listen, you think, well, that sounds cool to be raised from the grave until, until you realize you have to die first with no real assurance that you're going to be raised. Like, if the plan fails, I'm done. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, okay, I, okay, I'm all for the resurrection, but the dying part, I don't know. Like, what if you don't come through for me, Jesus? But, but here's what he says. I'm going to die, and then I'm going to be resurrected three days later. Oh, and by the way, if anyone desires to come after me. How many of them were like, that's me, I'm in. 
I, I mean, I, you know, Peter's jumping up, Judas is jumping up, but Matthew, the, all of them, they're like, we're in, we want to die, let's go. Not likely. If Jesus was here today and said, how many of you would like to die? Uh, is there like a plan B, Jesus? Can we, can we go with another option? Is there a cheaper version? I'll take a few less benefits if I can get a cheaper version, right? <laughs> Uh, because none of us are just jumping on board to die. And yet Jesus says, if anyone desires, what does desire mean? Desire means want to, passionately, fervently, if you really badly want to come after me. So here's the question we have to ask as, as we're dealing with our own personal discipleship. How bad do I want to come after Jesus? How bad do I want it? Do I, I mean, do I really, really want it because the price is pretty heavy and, and what Jesus is going to have to face is pretty heavy. So if I've got to do what he's got to do, I better know how badly I want it. My wife um, drives a Hyundai, okay? Beautiful little car. God blessed us with it. And uh, we're going to have to do something else here pretty quick because she's hitting everything in it, like everything. She told me the other day, I'm just not meant to drive a little car. Um, what'd you hit the other day? A box in the middle of the road? She's got a hole in the back left bumper. It's just, it's a bad situation. I don't know what to do here. Um, but here's the deal. What she really wants is a BMW. Can I get an amen? She really wants a BMW. Now, here's the thing. I could buy her a BMW. The bank would loan me the money. Foolishly, they would loan me the money. I could pay the note on it every month. But the question would be, what would I have to give up to pay the note? Right? So it's not that I can't afford it. It's not that I don't want to afford it. It's that I am not willing to pay the price. And I love her with all of my heart. At this point in our lives, I'm not willing to pay the price to drive a BMW, so we drive a Hyundai until she learns to drive this little car. Can I get another amen? <laughs> uh, so so here, is the, here is the principle. When it comes to discipleship, how bad do you really want it? How bad do you really want it? Because it has a price. So Jesus said, if you desire, not just if you wake up one morning and on a whim decide, I think I'll follow Jesus today. No, no, no. Do you really desire to come after Jesus and are you willing to pay the price because there is a price? It is. And the further you go, at times the price gets even steeper. So every one of us has to decide. How much of Jesus do I really want? Now, for me, I want it all. But if we were all being honest, we were all asking this question, every one of us may have a different answer. How much do we really want it? I mean, really, how much we really want it? These disciples have no idea uh, that in their life, every one of them, are re this, this question is become a, going to become not figurative, but very, very literal. And what I mean by that is, um, for us, not many of us are actually going to have to face the question of giving our physical life, 
actually dying on a cross per se or being a martyr for Jesus as in laying down our physical life. Okay, we live in America. That's not typically part of the cross that we're asked to bear. But for these guys, so for us, it's, it's more figurative. What does it mean to lay down our life for Jesus? We'll talk about that. But for these disciples, it wasn't figurative at all. Every single one of them came to a point in their life where they had to ask, am I willing to lay down my life for Jesus? Of course, you know Judas hangs himself. But the other 11, uh, 10 of them are martyred for the cause of Christ. Only one of them wasn't. You know who he was? John. So you say, well, John got off easy. No, no, no. They tried to kill John on multiple occasions. At one point, they actually, his enemies stuck him in a pot of boiling oil, dropped him down in it in an effort to literally boil him to death, and he just continued singing praises to God. This, this, this verse for these disciples, so put yourself in their, their mind for a moment. They literally, it's, this is a literal question. Do you want to come after me? Are you willing to lay down your life? Are you willing to pay the price? So every one of us, it may be figurative, it may be metaphorical, but there really is a price to pay to come after Jesus. How bad do we want it? How bad do you want it? Lord, I don't know where I'm at on my notes. Here we go. He gives us three things, three steps. Number one, deny yourself. Deny yourself. When, uh, this is, uh, to deny yourself is the process of learning to say no. It's the process of learning to say no. When you were a kid, learning to say no, you had some external motivation. Do you know what that means? For me, it means a keen switch. It means my grandmother literally torturing me by telling me when I got in trouble or I did something wrong or I didn't say no when I was supposed to, Randon, not only am I going to whip you or blister your hide, as, I, as they called it, uh, but I want you to go out on the tree and pick your own switch. Anybody else have to do that? People should go to jail for that. <laughs> Torture. You're grabbing it, oh, oh like that, that's going to hurt really bad. Oh, let's get a broken one. Oh, oh no, that's not going to work. I, I mean, this was like, you know, go out and pick your own, go out and pick your own form of punishment. Like, what? who does that? Not only am I going to face physical pain, but I've got to have emotional and mental scarring as well. Seriously, y'all know my grandma, lovely little lady. She would tell me so many times, go pick your own switch. <laughs> no, Granny, I'm sorry. Oh. We had some external motivation. For, for my kids, we have external motivation. My daughter is, um, uh, we're working on her grades right now. Now, she's brilliant. She can do it all. She just is in a race at all times of her life. She's going as fast as she can possibly go. She wants to be the first to finish everything at all times. She's got to be the first. And, and we're just, you can do this. Why didn't you do it? Her teacher says, because she wanted to be first. She was done before everybody else. And I say, and her teacher says, Kennedy, did you double check that? Oh, yeah. No, she didn't double check that. You missed two plus two. You're in third grade. Come on now. And so we have to provide some external motivation 
for her to say no to being the first one done and learn to slow down and do it right. I mean, you know, it takes, when you're teaching your kids to say no, to say no to the things they should say no to, it takes an external motivation, a little punishment, taking things away. Maybe you don't spank your kids, so be it. Um, uh, the Bible talks about you guys, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go there with you. Uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, but we all have our ways that we have to provide external motivation to our children. But here's what Jesus is talking about. If you want to be a disciple, you have to be internally motivated to say no. Jesus isn't walking around with us at every moment with a switch in his hand and, and like right waiting right behind us. If, if you don't say no, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you on the back of that leg, don't you? And so you walk around with jeans all the time so they can't get you because Jesus can't get me. I got jeans on. Ha. No, you, we have to be internally motivated to deny ourselves. And, and this is what separates, uh, one of the things that separates being a disciple from not, from just being a, someone who follows casually. Uh, listen, I'm your pastor, but I'm not going to walk around and, and everywhere you go be like, I don't think you should do that today. Oh, you probably should deny yourself right there. I'm not going to do that. I don't have time nor the want to. If that's what it means to be a pastor, I'm out. My mom and dad were growing up in their churches. Literally, this is part of what the pastors did. Uh, the pastor had a ruler in the corner of his office, ladies. And if your skirt was too high, he would measure. Did y'all pastor have a ruler? Okay. He would have a ruler, and he would measure. You had one? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he would pull it out and measure to make sure your skirt was long enough. And if it wasn't, that you're about to be in trouble with a pastor. I am not your daddy. So to be a disciple is not about having somebody look over your shoulder, making sure you're denying yourself properly and doing everything. No, no, no. It's about being internally motivated. I am going to deny myself. For me to be a disciple... It doesn't, so let, me, let me read it again. If anyone desires himself to come after me, let him deny himself. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't say for me to be a disciple, I need to deny you. It says I've got to deny myself. It doesn't say you've got to be the one to come and make me deny myself. No, no, no. It just says deny yourself. You want to be a disciple? Deny yourself. It's that simple. <clears throat> so I've got to be internally motivated. Um, I'm not motivated because I'm going to get into trouble somehow, but because I desire a deeper relationship with Jesus, because I want to grow closer to him, because I want to be a stronger disciple. This is the no of discipleship. Uh, if it were in relation to getting my physical body healthy, which often growing in Christ is, is you can view it the same way, this would be saying no to the Bluebell ice cream. This would be saying no uh, uh, to, the, to the cookies we were giving out on Sunday. And I'm not going to call in names, Pastor Brandon, but he ate like 17 of them jokers. Y'all tell him, Pastor Brandon, did you save me some cookies on Sunday? You tell him when you see that. Uh, but it's, it's the process of saying no. If you want to get healthy in your life, there's two parts of, uh, or several parts of it, two main parts, and one is saying no to the bad foods that are killing us, right? Eat something a little better. Eat some green beans. Just it, 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 You won't die. I promise you will not die. My kids swear that they will. My son, tears. He'll sit there for hours. All you got to do is eat four green beans, son. No, no, no. He's going to sit there for hours. He has gone to bed hungry on multiple nights because he wouldn't eat four green beans. 
I blame that on one of the grandparents. I don't know which one you pick one. I blame it on one of them or all of them. So it's the process of saying no. But we don't have to say no to everything. Some things are good. Some things are healthy. Right? When you're trying to get healthy, it doesn't mean you have to starve all the time. You can eat. You just can't eat McDonald's every meal. So we don't have to say no to everything. Uh, think about it like this. When I am, am denying myself, I have responsibilities as a father. Well, I don't need to say no to being a father to my kids, right? I don't need, well, I, you know, I'm going to deny myself, and so in the, I can't be a good dad to you, and I can't spend time with you, and I, I can't make sure your food is, is taken care of. You have clothes on your back, and make sure that you are comforted because I have to go spend time with Jesus all the time. What if God, our Father, did that to us? Think about it like that. What if in his process of denying himself, he cut you out of the picture? Just said, you're on your own because, you know, I'm denying myself. No, no, some things in life we shouldn't deny. There is a point to which we put our family above God, but there is also a point to, to we make a, a, an effort and a, and a show of spending so much time with God that we totally leave out our family. Deny the right things, but you don't have to deny everything, okay? <clears throat> So it's not always saying no to everything. Uh, it's saying no to the right things. It's saying no to the things that are rooted in your old life, old habits, old hang-ups, old ways of doing things, things that are connected to your flesh, things that are not, that are not of the Spirit. It's saying no to the, the things that you're supposed to say no to. It's saying no to things that block your relationship with Him. Uh, and at times, this could be something good or something bad. You know, we, we think about denying ourselves as, you know, well, I'm not going to do all the bad things. But sometimes there are good things that get in the way of relationship with God. Right? So good things to an extreme interfere with our relationship with God. What is blocking our time with Him? It's also saying no to our own rights. Someone wrongs you. Um, your, your spouse wronged you. They were totally wrong. Your, your husband was probably wrong. I'm just, you know, chances are he was wrong somewhere along the way. So he was wrong. And he should apologize to you. Absolutely. Just, let's just agree to that. You know, men just apologize. It would work a lot better. So, yes, he should apologize. You're 100% right. But then you're faced with this question. Do I have the right to be angry? Maybe. But what would Jesus do in this situation? What would Jesus do? Well, Jesus said, well, maybe you should turn the other cheek. Jesus said, uh, if someone tries to sue you to take your tunic, go ahead and give him your tunic and your cloak too. Give them, give them both. Jesus says, when the Roman soldier comes up to you and he has the right by law, uh, by Roman law, to force you to carry all of his armor for a mile, carry it a mile and then carry it another one. So yes, we have rights, but part of saying no, part of self-denial is denying those rights and forcing ourselves to respond the way Jesus responded. To deny our pride, our rights, our old way of thinking. The second one is simply this, to take up your cross daily. This doesn't mean an actual cross. It refers to your personal battle. It, it refers to your decision to do the will of God. It refers to what God has called you to do in your life. Listen, thankfully, as I said earlier, most every one of us in here, I think I can pretty much say with assurance that no one in this room is actually going to have to carry a cross to Golgotha and hang there on nails until we die. How many would agree with that? 
So he's not referring to a physical uh, piece of wood that we would have to carry and, and be nailed to. That's not what he's referring to. He, notice he said, your cross. That was Jesus' cross. He went to the cross, so you didn't have to go to the cross. But you still got to carry your cross. Right? And, and so it's, it's our personal battle. It is, it is, uh, it is throwing down uh, my will and taking up his will. Before Jesus went to the cross, he said, uh, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So it's taking on the will of God. It, this is the yes of discipleship. If denying yourself is the no of discipleship, taking up your cross is the yes of discipleship. If denying yourself is, saying no, uh, is, is like saying no to the bad foods in order to become healthy, uh, then taking up your cross is like saying yes to going to the gym and working out. It's I'm going to do the work, okay? I'm going to I'm going to say no to the right things, but I'm going to say yes to taking on the will of God, to doing the work, to putting in the time and the effort. Uh, we commit to do His way, His will, no matter what. We commit to fight whatever battles we must fight in order to do His will. We commit to endure whatever pain, humiliation, suffering, whatever we have to do. Uh, that is what we do. Um, the the other day. Uh, some of the guys here on staff and some of the, some of the uh, youth leaders, they work out at lunch every day. And one of the young guys was working out, and he was so committed to do what he was supposed to do. Uh, Pastor Brandon was like, you got to do this, man. Come on. And so he had, would flip these big tires a bunch of times. We did these push-ups, and he jumped up to do some jumping jacks. On his second jumping jack, bam, passes right out on the ground. Boom, lays right over. Did you hear about this story? Lays right over on the ground. Pow. Pastor Brandon uh, gets him up and shakes him. Hey, man, you okay? And, and he's like, man, I, was, I, don't, I don't know, man. I, I think I might need to go home. And he goes, no, you can't go home. You got to do this. You know, you got to, come on, man, you got to fight. You got to push through. So he's like, okay, I, I'm in, I'm in. So he gets down, and, he, and the next thing he's got to do is some, I don't know, some, uh, some uh, uh, dips or something. So he does like one dip, bam, passes out on the ground again. <laughs> Boom, Pastor Brandon said, okay, that's enough, man. You're, you're out of here. You're out of going home. So, so he went home. But the point was he was so committed that whatever it takes, I am going to do what I have to do. How far would you be willing to go to say yes to the will of God? I mean, how far? How far? It comes back to the question I ask you, how bad do you want to be a disciple? How much are you willing to do? How far are you willing to go? Are you willing to say yes to the point where you realize it might cost me my life? To the point where we realize, I cannot do this without God. I'm so committed to the will of God. I am out here now, God. I have been following you, doing your will. I'm out here, and I can't do it without you. I I'm going to die unless you come through. I'm going to die of embarrassment. I'm going to die of humiliation. I'm going to die because I've sunk all my money into this uh, business or this ministry or this job or whatever it may be. I've done everything I could do, God, to do your will. I literally might die in one way or another. But, God, I am trusting and believing in you. It may, it may hurt. It, it, it may hurt. Uh, you know, the, I, I've done a lot of research in my life over martyrs, people who gave their life for Jesus and, and denying themselves and saying yes to take up their cross. And there are so many stories where these martyrs felt no pain. I read a story one time, I believe it was in Vietnam, where uh, they found this, they were building a highway and they, uh, they found this group of, of underground Christians. 
and they decided right there on the spot, Christianity was illegal. We're going we're gonna to kill them right here. So literally what they did was they laid them down in the middle of the road. And they had one of these massive, I forget what they call them, but it's got the big uh, steel wheel on the front and it packs down the gravel. Yes. Say that again. Steamroller. Okay. And they literally laid down this whole group of believers Men, women, and children laid them down in the middle of the road. And while they laid there singing and worshiping God, they rolled right over and smashed every single one of them. The, the, true story. I'm not, I didn't, I'm not making this up. But the, as the story goes, not one of them felt an ounce of pain. But until their very last breath, they were just worshiping in Jesus and celebrating. And, and as if we were in a good Sunday morning service right here. But that's not every story. You, you read the stories of the pain of the struggle because uh, in the road to taking up your cross it's not always easy how bad do you really want to follow Jesus then they said these things have to be done daily we got to deny ourselves and we got to take up our cross daily it has to become a lifestyle you can't do it for a while and then stop you have to keep going or you'll slide back into your old way into your old life all right, let's go to the third one. I'm running out of time here tonight. You got me all distracted. The third one is simply this. He said, to follow me. The Living Bible, they translated it like this. Stay close to me. When Randy was three, uh, my uncle called me one day, and one Saturday, and we ran up to East Texas up here, and he took, me, took us on a deer hunt and, with some guys, and, and uh, we saw some deer, and we didn't shoot anything, but uh, we saw some deer. Randy had a good time. We were sitting there in the deer blind, and I'm watching this buck come down from this way, and I'm, you know, just hoping, like, okay, maybe we're going to get a shot at this buck. Maybe he's going to be big enough. And all of a sudden, I hear this, Randy had his toy gun sticking out the window at, at a doe that was right over here about 30 feet away, and it's shooting him with his toy gun. I got him, Dad. Deer go scattering everywhere. I'm like, thanks, son. Awesome. Um, at the conclusion of the hunt, one of the other guys that was with us, shot this deer and uh, he ran off in the woods it is pitch black and so here we're, ch we're trying to find his deer in the, in the pitch black so we don't lose him and so we're, we're trailing this deer around and I have my son with me now my son is three and uh, here we are in the woods and he was never more than a few feet away from me but at one point uh, it was so black I lost him like I mean I literally could not find him I couldn't see him turned out he was literally three feet from me I started screaming and hollering, panicking, as you, as you can imagine. It's pitch black in these woods. And I, and I turn around, and I, where is my son? And he's like, Dad, I'm right here. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and it's like, thank you. Please stay close to me. Grab a hold of my, of my pants and don't let go. Uh, and we got out of those woods pretty quickly because it scared me really bad. Did I, I don't think I ever told you that, did I? <laughs> Light bulb. <laughs> But here's the thing. Jesus said, follow me. Stay close to me. You're denying yourself. You're taking up your cross. But stay really close to me. Because as we're following Jesus, he takes some lefts and he takes some rights. And he goes here and he goes there. And you think, well, why are you doing this all the time, Jesus? Why can't we just walk one direct path? Well, because maybe Jesus is avoiding a few things that he doesn't want you to hit. 
Maybe he's taking you in a safer direction. Sure, he might could take you that way, but what if, wouldn't it be easier if he just took you uh, around to the right, around to the left? But if we're not staying close to Jesus and following, if Randy hadn't been right there, I, I'm, I, I fear what might have happened. But thankfully, he had enough sense to stay close to me. Stay close to Jesus. No matter what happens, no matter where you go, no matter where the road takes you, stay close to Jesus. He will move. He will turn. He will, what was that song to say? When he moves to the left, we're going to move to the left. When he moves to the right, we're going to move to the right. Uh, we got to stay close to Jesus, close enough that when he moves, we can stay right with him and, stay and, and follow him. <clears throat> but there's more to it than that. We follow the process that Jesus went through. He denied himself. He took up the cross. And he was totally dependent upon resurrection power. John uh, chapter 5, verse 19. I want to show you something about Jesus. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, The Son of Man can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. So I want you to get a picture of what Jesus is saying. This is before the cross. This is before the resurrection. I can't do anything on my own. I can only do what I see the Father do. Let's go to after the resurrection. Matthew 28. Let's, let's listen to what Jesus says now. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now look at the difference. First time, before the resurrection, before the cross, before he said, not my will but yours be done, he said, I can only do what my father tells me to do. After the resurrection, he is free to be everything that he was created to be that, or, or everything that, that God's plan was for him to be. He said, all authority, all power, it's all been given to me, both on heaven and on earth. So before, I had to do what my father said. Now, it's all been given to me. So we're following this process of becoming exactly what Jesus wants us to be in our life. All power and authority was given to him, but he had to go to the cross first. God wants to give us more power and more authority, but it's only for his disciples. It's only for those that are willing to deny themselves, to take up his cross, and to stay close enough to him that no matter where he goes, they're going to be willing to follow. Are we willing to pay the price? There is a reward. Before the cross, Jesus was bound by the laws of humanity. After the cross, after the resurrection, he was walking through walls. He was appearing here and appearing there. He was was doing whatever he wanted to. Why? Because he was free to be God in his fullest form. Notice what Luke chapter 9 verse 23 says in the Message Bible. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me. And I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, watch this, to finding yourself your true self. In this process, Jesus went from being God and man all wrapped in one to being Free to be fully God, not bound by the laws of humanity any longer. So in this process, he went from one form to another form. And this is what Jesus is saying. If you follow me and you submit yourself to the process through the resurrection power, the same power that pulled him up, the same power that brought him out of the grave, 
through the process of self-denial, taking up your cross, God wants to lead us to be exactly who he created us to be who he envisioned us to be, who he desires us to be. When he was drawing up the plan, he drew up this master plan for you. But to get there, we got to deny ourselves, take up the cross, and follow him. It's the process that Jesus went through. And I'm willing to go myself. Because I want to discover, notice he said, to finding yourself, your true self. That's what I'm looking for. What is my true self? You think you know what my true self is, but I believe that there is more that God hasn't revealed to me yet. There's more about you that God hasn't revealed to you yet. We're trying to discover our true self, and the way we do that is by self-sacrifice, by laying down our own uh, and denying ourselves, by taking up our cross and follow him. John chapter 3, verse 28, uh, John realized something. He said, uh, you yourself bear witness that I said. Notice what John realized about himself. I am not the Christ. I'm not the Christ. Now, I wonder if the thought ever went through his mind when people were saying, John, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? Because they were all looking for the Messiah. And and when they're looking for him, they're asking, John, are are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? You have to think that the, the, the thought went through his mind. Am I the Christ? It'd be perfectly natural. If people were saying to you, are you the second coming of Jesus? If they kept telling you long enough and kept singing your praises long enough, you might say, what, am I? But John realized, I know who I'm not. I am not the Christ. But let me tell you, I am. I have been sent before him. John realized who he was and what he was supposed to do. In part because he realized who he wasn't. And part of following the path that Jesus has for us is realizing before we realize who we're, we are, we figure out who we're not. John said, I'm not, the, I'm not the Christ, but I know who I am. I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Right? Part of discovering our true self is realizing not only who we are, but who we are not. And realizing that God has a great plan. John, in just a few verses later, John said it like this. He must increase, but I must decrease. John realized, okay, I might be a big deal right now, but I need to get smaller, and he needs to get bigger. You need a big God in your life. You don't need to be the biggest thing in your life. I'm going to tell you why. Because what do you do if you're the biggest thing in your life, what do you do when you face a problem bigger than you? What do you do when you face a devil bigger than you? What do you do when you face a, a, an enemy stronger than you? If you are the biggest, baddest, strongest thing in your life, what do you do? You don't want to know more than everybody else in your life. Because what do you do when you have no more solutions and no more ways out? If, you, if, if we have relegated God to being our same size or smaller or being just barely bigger than we are, we have limited God when we need Him the most. 
So John said, I need to decrease and he needs to increase because we need somebody bigger than me. John realized, I can't save the whole world. I can baptize you. I'm a forerunner. I, I'm preaching. I'm doing all these things. But, but you don't really need me in your life. You need the real Messiah. You need somebody that is big enough and powerful enough that he can die for your sins, that he can go to the cross and change the world. I can't do it. We need a God bigger than us. So part of the road of self-denial is making sure that we're decreasing and he is increasing. I need a big God in my life. I need a God that knows more than me, that's bigger than me, that's stronger than me, that's better than me, that's been where I haven't been, that he's already gone down the road and he's made preparations for me when I get there. He knows what to do and if I'll just listen to him, he'll guide me right on through. I need that kind of God. I want to be a disciple. I want to be a disciple. Whatever it takes, Lord. That's my prayer. I want to be a disciple. So the question for every one of us is, are we willing to pay the price? And I'm going to tell you the truth. People's prices are different. They're just different. I talked to you about the things that disciples faced. I'm going to tell you the truth. They faced a much more severe price than you and I face. They paid it. I was reading up on, the, on some, of, uh, some, of, as, uh, some of Paul's writings, uh, specifically his letter to the church at Thessalonica. And, and this church was facing extreme, extreme, extreme prejudice. And uh, they, they were killing them off in droves. And the reason why is because they weren't just facing uh, persecution from Jews who didn't believe in Christ, but they were also facing persecution from other uh, pagans who hated them and wanted them gone. So they had two groups of people trying to kill them and persecute them. They were in a bad way. They paid, they paid a serious price. Everybody's price is different. That's why Jesus said, take up your cross, pay your price, deny yourself you follow me don't try to walk somebody else's road you don't want to walk my road you don't have any grace for my road and i don't have any grace for your road walk your road pay your price follow god be a disciple stand with me i hope i've challenged you tonight i want you to think about this question what um as you go and as you uh, in your prayer time Am I willing to pay the price? And what price am I willing to pay? Deny yourself. Take up your own cross and follow him.